it's time to start unpacking with a brand new episode of the B Word Unpacked, hosted by the ladies of Good Stock Consulting, Kelly, Kim, and Ebony. Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome back to the B Word Unpacked with Good Stock Consulting. We're your girls, Kim, Eb, and Kelly. And since we last spoke, we have brought in a new year, but child, it seems like we almost brought in some new damn problems. <laughs> <laughs> COVID-19 just won't no let us be great from these mutant strains to this vaccine rollout. It has all been a hot, a mess, right. or as we like to call it for this podcast, botched. 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 <laughs> now, before we start unpacking all things botched about this rollout from labeling of these phase one A and B people to the pharmacies to no one having a clue where the hell how to even to sign up from right. the issues. It's let's, so sad. It's so sad, y'all. But let's do a quick lightning round. Lightning round. Let's tell the people, share with the listeners, all the viewers, you know, we got a YouTube channel. Yes. What part is the most botched handling of this long ass pandemic? Or uh, what we've been calling the panorama, the panty. Listen. Panda Express. Panda I'm Express. Calling. I'm calling it the, the PP because okay, I'm talking about the PP because it's what's working my nerve more than anything else, and I don't know why I get so annoyed. But when I see these pictures of these indoor dining, or like I see in my when I go to at work, I don't eat. I don't eat a drink. I'm not, y'all ought to see me. I don't talk to nobody at work. I have become a recluse. Okay. But when I walk into the lounge, walking through, and I see these partitions, these plexiglass that come up to here, and people are sitting in this enclosed room, my thought is, what sense does this- What do you think? What does it make? We we, we already know- that's what my biggest, so I can't explain to you why why it makes me mad, but it actually does. It makes me mad more than anything else. So yeah, that's me. Plexiglass. What are you on that? I mean, mine are simple too. It, much like the plexiglass, mine goes back to the, the simplicity of the mask. <laughs> I still find myself incensed when I enter into stores, when I enter into spaces, and see people with the mask under the nose i'm just like what what's the (laughs) point of that that's like cutting the top off a condom and then putting it on there's no value in wearing the mask under your nose i've seen a really great um illustration it kind of showed somebody with underwear on and then Mm -hmm. their penis flopped out over top of the underwear and then the mask and the nose flopped out over top of the mask and i just feel like I wish we could have some PSAs with that visual. I know we'd never do it in this country, but y'all, it's the same as just having your junk flying out there. I don't get it. And I, you know, I've gotten bold. In 2021, I have entered into this year 4-4 territory. So I will, and this is not even about boldness. Genuinely, this is concern, y'all. But if I go into Walmart, or Target, and I see young people with the mask down here, I'll just be like, look, take it for how you want to take it. I work in public health. I really would love to see you have that mask over your nose to protect you, to protect you. I just say it, I just say it out. I just speak it out. And I'm going to say a good, 
a smooth 70% of the time, people will say, you're right, you're right. You're right. 10% of the time, people will not even acknowledge that I have just spoken those words. And 20% of the time, they'll ask me to mind my business or oh, really? or use even more strong language. But I'm willing to risk that 30% of being cussed out or disrespected for the 70% of individuals who are like, you know what, you're right. Because it just doesn't make no sense. Okay, so Kelly, two things with that. One, I'm gonna call this year this hashtag 44th year, your Obama year. You know how people call your <laughs> <laughs> yes. call this your Obama year. It's my Obama year, y'all. I mean, I feel like you about to really climb up on some things and own some things, right? Right. But I like that analogy. And in fact, that's what with the penis thing, ultra draws, because that's what I use with my children, the girl Come and on. Mm-hmm. Oh, when people you see people when they sneeze or uh, when they sneeze, oh. I've seen this a lot. When they pull the mask down, down. Uh. it's like, well, you, <sighs> but you want to give it to us. Get away from me. Just get away. <laughs> Just get away. <laughs> Zero sense. None. Zero. None. None. Well, y'all, I would tell y'all the one thing that's wearing me the hell out is homeschooling, and uh. I feel like a privileged person saying this you are because you got help i got help you got help comes and helps me every day but it is still stressful Mm -hmm. homework in fourth grade is hard but they know i'll go home and do homework and it's hard can y'all help me with this though because they y'all's kids what that mean what is that i don't take it take it further Okay, because y'all take it further. I'm nervous to take it further, and don't nobody write me comments. Okay, because I understand. I I don't understand actually how hard parenting is. Because I just got these two dogs, all of which Barkley today. I told y'all earlier had diarrhea all day. So pray for mm-hmm. me, okay? Because they don't ever grow up. Now the second point I have though is I've been hearing a lot from parents about these kids need to get out of my house and go to school. Yeah. But they are, but they are us, our kids. That's why they need to go. So I just get confused. You know, my child does go to school in in person at this point. So his school allowed the option of being either virtual school or going school. So Max does go to school in in person, excuse me. But Kim, you talking about you can do fourth grade homework. I'm about to embarrass myself, y'all. I can't do the first grade homework because <laughs> the math problem will say like nine plus five equals. Okay. But the child cannot just put nine plus five equals 14. They okay. have something called count on 10. Hello. Where you got to like find the number that nine gets to 10. And then from 10, add the additional number to, to get to the answer. And I'm just like, in my brain, just add the five to the nine. But now they gotta they gotta make number trees. If they don't show their work, they don't get credit. And I'm just like, that's not how we did it. Draw the sticks. They gotta draw the sticks. You you know what I'm talking about, Cam? I'm just like, I'm like, why we gotta count on ten? Can't we just solve the problem? So I can't, y'all. Deepak, I can't even do first grade math. I'm embarrassed. My daddy literally said, so I'm at my parents' house, like totally, totally having a breakdown over fourth grade homework. Right. And my daddy was like. I'm so glad that this is not me because I think I would just stay at work. I just yep. wouldn't come home. I said, well, first of all, who says that, father? Sounds rude. And it secondly, clearly, I need a wife. 
this is what it's telling me. I need a wife. Yeah. Yes, you do. At least a yeah. nanny and a and a and a and a tutor. It, a nanny and a tutor. <sighs> but Kim got the nanny. So I'm just gonna talk about bougie problems right now. Not, she's not a nanny. She's a teacher assistant helping me with my life. <laughs> okay. That sound even worse. I got a TA. I got my exactly. own TA. She's like, <laughs> she's like an extra grandmama here, helping us out, keeping this house together. Otherwise, mommy has to flee. It's a blessing. <laughs> it is a blessing. So you're right. I, I sound really privileged and entitled, but whatever. It's still hard. I feel you. Though. I feel you, it's girl. So I feel you. It's yeah. hard. No matter who you are, this Look. shit is hard. Yeah, oh, baby, I almost died. Y'all didn't. Y'all didn't notice if Parker was choking. <laughs> Can you lift the dog up? I want to see if there's a diaper on. Can we just? He don't have a diaper. Today. He don't have a diaper today. He's sick. He got something. <laughs> well, now that we realize that all of our lives are botched, okay, let's talk about on the B side how they have messed this up in America. Welcome, Welcome to, to the B side. All right, so y'all, let's start with the real simple question. So we can get this out the way. Mm-hmm. Have you received the vaccine? And if so, when tell the people about your experience? Ev, I know you got it. So talk about it. Look, you know, get my little card. Okay, this is my passport. Um, so I was actually the first person at UVA to get vaccinated. A um, December 15th was the first shot. January 5th was the second shot. I literally had zero symptoms um, because my immune system is real, either laid back or lazy. One of the two. So, um, yeah, that was me. You can, you got, yeah, I got well, tell the people about the blog though, or v- oh, video log. Oh yeah. So, you know, I was real big on, because we know there's this talk of what people, what, what is this thing going to do? And this is a new vaccine. So my thought was we should do things in the truth and transparency. So I'll videotape myself daily. Actually, you can go to our YouTube channel, um, and see, Literally every day after, well, I didn't do every day. Um, after I got the vaccine, I would just report back and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Answer some questions that people had left. And yeah, I even put my grandma on there. My grandma got her um, her vaccine 81 years young. Um, so yeah, showing her experience so y'all can tune in and figure it out. Yeah, and, and that really did make good sense because I did the first day that I went in to get my first dose, which was back in... End of December, was it? Yeah, end of December. And I had a couple of people message me like, oh, I see you getting your vaccine shot. So that really changed my mind about getting it myself and blah, blah, blah. So kudos to you guys for being brave enough. But honestly, that first shot felt like nothing. The needle was so thin and small. I didn't even feel it. And I hate needles. When I say hate needles, I hate needles about as much as I hate cats. So, but I did it and not really for me. I'm generally pretty healthy. But I did it really for my parents and for my grandparents like they are older and it was important to me that I was doing everything I could to keep them safe. Um, I now know that I'm doing it for me too, given the way these stats and facts are rolling out. But initially I was getting the vaccine for them. And the second shot, though, was a little bit harder, had a few more side effects. Um, but I say that in saying that it only took a Tylenol to get rid of it. I had a slight headache. I feel a little nauseous, yeah. but I took a Tylenol, took a nap and I was right back to normal. So, um, and really those reactions just let me know that my body is doing what it should do. It's right. mm-hmm. recognizing, um, the vaccine and it's producing those antibodies. And that's what we want to see. Right. What about you, Kels? 
People, can we talk about vaccination envy? Because that's what I'm experiencing right now. I am so jealous in this moment that I have not had a shot in my arm. Imagine a black woman wanting to get shot. I want to get shot up twice. I'm right. desperate for it. I am so desperate for it, everybody, but I haven't had it. But I, I'll tell you what I have had. People approaching saying, I can put you on and have you vaccinated as a healthcare worker. And I'm like, but stop the press. I don't work in a hospital, nor am I a clinician. So you, y'all, there is a whole, I'm not gonna call it underground because it's very above ground, but there's no, I'm gonna call it a white market because that's Mm -hmm. who's leading this charge. That is who's leading. There is a white market of individuals Mm-hmm. Who are basically jumping the line. And that yes. is something that has been made available to me. And, and y'all, don't get me wrong. I would love to jump the line. I would love to be sitting in Jamaica right now because I jumped that line. But I'm not going to do it. I mean, ethically, I don't think that I can do that. But that is something that not once, but twice has been offered to me. And it's, it's just kind of odd. I'm like, this is like a new... It's a whole new thing, but like it speaks to, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, like almost the gentrification of vaccination. Hello. Hello. And you know, and it's one of these things that really frustrates me, you know, because it is really, it's a shock that 66% of us, me, me and Kim (laughs) of this little group is actually vaccinated because nationally, if you look at it, 33 million doses of vaccines have been given out. Guess what percentage? of the 33 million doses in the United States. What percentage of that is black people? Get six. Six percent. We at least get 10 percent? Six percent. You heard six percent. Now, you know, it's been this scapegoat that's repeatedly said, and it literally started this whole scapegoat um, of, oh, it's a distrust issue way before the vaccine even got started. And that's when I knew, I said, oh, let me let me peep this narrative. Y'all keep trying to spit out there that there's distrust and um, the black community, they don't trust the vaccine. And I'm not saying that there's not medical distrust because we're going to get to that, okay? But I stand by the fact that this lopsided distribution of vaccine has nothing to do with medical mistrust and has everything to do with the lack of access and the lack of knowing people who know people who know people. Um, But just for the sake of argument, ladies, you know, we talk about oftentimes medical injustice. So I figured, you know, let's let's educate the, the vast people, our listeners who may not know of the happenings of what happened to black people in America. Um, let's educate them on why there could be medical distrust as it pertains to this vaccine. So, you on. know, I want to I want to interject. So, I was listening to a presentation today mm-hmm. and this woman said something so poignant. She said there's nothing wrong with stop calling people vulnerable. It's not that people are vulnerable, it's that don't serve them well. So it's nothing wrong. It's not that black people are predisposed to COVID or dying from COVID. It's because systems are created. Racism is here, which create, which puts them in situations that makes them more vulnerable to COVID and dying from COVID. What I say is they're not vulnerable, they're targeted. They are targeted. I, I say that over and over on Twitter. We're not vulnerable. We're targeted. And we're targeted by this policy and that policy and this policy, which equals to disparities. So, yeah, and we can talk, and talk about policy. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. So, so, so this was a great example to bring up Flint. 
No. I don't know if you guys have really been learning about Flint or listening about, but Flint and their water crisis is still an ongoing thing, y'all. This started back in 2014, I believe it was back in April, but Flint, Michigan, they switched their city's water supply to the Flint River at, uh, to save some money for the city, right? But in doing so, they unknowingly introduced lead poison into I the Unknowingly, water. they knew it. Well, yeah. Well, well, at first they didn't know, but when they did know, they still didn't change it. Right. They still didn't change it. And so all of these little babies, all of these school kids, all of these parents, all of these families were ingesting this lead poisoned water and it became a massive public health crisis. So then the Michigan attorney general's office on Thursday just announced that from 2014, y'all, just Thursday. When I say Thursday, I mean Thursday, 2021 Thursday. Mm-hmm. Announced that criminal charges will be um, inflicted on eight of the formal state officials, including the state's former governor, Rick Snyder, um, along with one current official for their alleged roles in this Flint water crisis. Right. Now, together, this group will face 42 counts related to the drinking water debacle, roughly what, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. These crimes range from perjury to misconduct in office to involuntary manslaughter. But what really... Because uh, 12 people died. my gears. Because 12 people died. Mm-hmm. 12 means- people died. And that's the only one they counting, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, at least eight people have, um, what is it, Legionnaires. Legionnaires. Legionnaires disease. Okay. Legionnaires. 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 Lou Garrett's. Lou Garrett's. Y'all get it. I don't know what med school you went to, but it's Lou Garrett. Zero. <laughs> I'm like, what y'all take? Legionnaires, listeners, be packers, listen, forgive them. Okay, because we are angry right now. Okay. So well, we're angry and maybe so okay. So outside of the people, yeah, and drinking. So outside of the people dying and the people being sick, what really pisses me off is that Snyder, this this former governor, right. you know what his charges are? He's only facing or what his consequences, he's only facing two counts of willful neglect, both misdemeanors, which carry only a minimum sentence of one year in prison. And a fine of a thousand dollars. One thousand. One mm-hmm. thousand. I can't wait to do an episode on bias. I can't oh, wait well. to do an episode on bias. Mm-hmm. <sighs> We're gonna dive in. We're gonna dive in. I mean, Kim, I think that's an awesome, awesome example. I think one of the most known examples of what this looks like in our nation is probably the the Tuskegee experiment, right? So initially called the Tuskegee syphilis study. Um, it was all about tracking what the impacts of syphilis looked like in African-American men, right? So the project, which was conducted from 1932 to 1972. So y'all, we are talking about a 40-year span of experimentation on Black men, again, was tracking the untreated cause of syphilis on Black men. So in essence, the government was telling these men I'm giving you prescription and I'm giving you medication to treat your syphilis, but basically they were getting nothing. They were giving a placebo. And to say that's unethical is is not even the start of what that is. And so when people talk about black folk don't want to get the COVID vaccine, you wonder why? Of 40 years of experimenting on our fathers, our brothers, our, our uncles, Uh-oh. you wonder why we don't want to take the vaccine? Get real. Clinton apologized for this. 
Let's think about when Clinton was president. Y'all, we talking about the 90s. And this thing was going on since the 1930. So it took 60 years for an apology, please. And it's until 1972. I was born 1982. Yep. That's ridiculous. Martin Luther King was assassinated in what year? I think 68. 68, I think. I think it was 68. So that's after after Martin Luther King assassinated and y'all sitting here passing out voter rights and acts and all these types of things to say, oh, we care about you. Y'all still Hmm. sat there and let this experiment go on for another six years. That speaks to racism in this nation in the 70s, in the 1970s. Knowing full well, this is the kicker, knowing full well that in 1947, the cure for syphilis was known. So for 30 years, you just... You treated black men like lab rats. And guess yep. what? Guess what? 20, 28 men died. Another 100 men died of uh, syphilis-related complication. They allowed 40 wives to be infected with syphilis. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they allowed 19 children to be born with congenital syphilis and did nothing about it. This is back on the rise. That's U.S. public health system. Okay, yeah. that's what it was. But you know what? With this, with this whole thing, like I said, yes, those things can build up medical distrust, right? But that is going to be the scapegoat that we use for why Black people are not getting vaccinated. Because if we're talking about distrust, what I think of, we, we got four different buckets of people we got to talk about. We got the African American community, of uh, which we just talked about, Tuskegee, Flint, Michigan all the stuff that we know black people don't been through. But we also have the Hispanic community because those, as far as the undocumented immigrants, right? They may be fearful that if I get this vaccine and walk out, will ICE be waiting to deport me, right? Okay. Or if I get this vaccine, are they injecting something in my arm that's okay. gonna track where I go? Okay. Or will I even be able to get in the line to get the vaccine because they say undocumented people aren't worthy. Aren't worthy vaccine. of it, okay. Yep. So that's another yeah. thing. But how about this? This is what I'm saying, though. Those two groups, I can understand where your distrust comes from because the system has royally, you know what, you over, okay? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about two more buckets, shall we? The other two buckets that that seem to miss the minds when we're ta- uh, tallying up these numbers of vaccines are the anti-vaxxers that have been anti-vaxxers for several decades now who decades. are largely okay they they go on protest marches we see them all the time and guess what they are largely white educated women right yes like that's, that physicians group that's out here speaking out there all this kind of crazy stuff that's crazy, the, crazy. Second, the second newcomer bucket is that of these anti-covid these covid hoaxers these anti-maskers and if we look at it 74 million americans voted for Trump who supports those same thoughts, mm-hmm. right? So if we're thinking about buckets of people, oh, hold on, those buckets, that 74 million were largely white. So why if two huge buckets of these four buckets are highly um, populated with white Americans, why are we not using distrust as a reason why their numbers look low? Mm-hmm. Because distrust ain't it, okay? And what we're gonna end up seeing, what I, I guarantee what? Let's see what this yeah. vaccine rollout is that it's just like Tuskegee. I call it Tuskegee 2.0, where mm-hmm. we have studied why black and brown people have died from higher rates from COVID-19. 
But when it came down to giving them the life-saving intervention, all of a sudden the government got ghosts and, mm-hmm. and figured that they can't give it to the black and brown people who are dying at higher rates. Right? Can I just say with this conversation makes me think about when we had that conversation with a Native American woman, Marcy Hayden, at the start of this pandemic, and she was talking about how her Native American community in, in the state of South Carolina, right. they were begging the government for PPE. And this is a story now that's it's, it's around the nation. It clearly wasn't just South Carolina. Marcy told us they asked for PPE. You know what they got? Not body bags. Listen, body bags instead of PPE. About who you value. It's who you value. It's nuts. And that's what I'm saying. I say over and over again, this mistrust is a scapegoat that will be used against black and brown people. Because now I'm going to hit y'all with some facts on why the majority of black people, even if you wanted to get the shot, where you couldn't get the shot, even if you tried to pay for it. Okay, so let's start with this. You aren't eligible. Listen, right? You're not eligible because we're going to talk about these phase groupings, right? So we got, we know we rolled out with the phase 1A and the phase one um, 1B groupings. Phase 1A was in December um, and in January because we never got it off the ground. But anyway, phase 1A is healthcare workers and nursing home residents. But if we look at healthcare workers, and this is even if I'm including doctors, nurses, nurses aide, respiratory therapists, people that are working in a nursing home um, with the nursing home residents, all of us, guess what? Healthcare workers, 60% white, Mm -hmm. 16% black. Mm -hmm. If we look at nursing home residents, what do we know? Well, it ain't us. It ain't us. Okay, because nursing home residents- ain't at the home. No, because 78% of all nursing home residents are white. If we go down to 1B, now initially they said 75 and up, and then I thought, they probably thought, oh, okay, we're gonna really get caught. So we're gonna make it 65 and up. Um, and those were pre-existing conditions. And then we'll put on also essential workers. But if we look at 65 and up, y'all, of the American population ages 65 and up, 77% are white. Yeah. We don't have the longevity of life because we dine at younger age for other shit like cancer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ab, I think you've raised a really mm-hmm. just important comment. The reality about the, the whole nursing home situation, think about my father is 81. He ain't going to no nursing home. My mother, who was gravely ill, we weren't putting her in no nursing home. And not to sound super privileged, but that is a family who could have put them in a nursing home. That's just fundamentally not a part of our culture. So like as our family ages, you keep them home, they stay home and you bring people into your home so that they can be taken care of. And I know for fact, I know this for fact, that's not just black communities, that's brown communities who have multi-generational, intergenerational households Mm -hmm. where your abuela is in there with her grandbaby. And that's just how our family structure is built. So we're not going to be in those homes. So to your point, Ed, we're not in line to receive that treatment. Right. But again, you have white people creating these standards and paradigms, white people researchers who, one, aren't aren't multicultural, two, nope. aren't working in the field. So you don't know who's really there and who really needs it, but yet you're passing down these mandates, which... Oh, you do know. And again, because... If you are if you are a, a, a epidemiologist, right, or if you're a scientist that are tasked with looking at COVID, you have to do your due diligence. And if I know these numbers, so do you. 
Right. And so it's it's not a priority. Like sure. I said, with, with Flint, Michigan water crisis, they knew they had to do testing on waters and testing on things before you just open it up. So you knew you just didn't care. And that's the yeah. problem we got to face. Yeah. Eb, you know what you put me on that I really have been like reeling over on the past few days? Mm-hmm. Talk about these disparities that we see in age groups. So often I get young people. When I say young people, I'm talking about people our age. So middle right. age folks, because we right. see- Y'all are not officially middle-aged. I am. I like being middle-aged. Yes, we are, Kelly. No, y'all. Middle-age is effective 40 and above. I can be what I want to be. Check me then. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are still quarter life. Well, no, that doesn't make sense because y'all would live to 120, but I might do that too. Our generations. I got you. I got you. We're always told like COVID, much like HIV. So I'm not even going back on the HIV thing, but we were told COVID is older folks. We need to focus on the older folks, older folks. But really, it's people our age that I true. personally that it's are true. dying are gravely ill. So tell me, tell me again those stats because it's been reeling in my head ever since. Child, it's true. It's one of these things right now. 41% of all new cases are ages 35 to 49 years old, for one. That's black, white, indifferent. 35 to 49 years old. Now, if we're looking at the age group, 35 to 44, black people, you are eight times more likely to die. Hispanic people, you are 11 times more likely to die. If you are 35 to 44 years old mm-hmm. and you get COVID just because of your race versus mm-hmm. if you're white. Now, that being the case, again, when we're looking at these phase rollouts, if you basically, as a Black person, because we're saying healthcare workers, 60% mm-hmm. are, are 60% are white, and the nursing home residents, 78% are white, 65 and older, 77% are white, even the essential workers, when we're thinking about those groups of person, we know Black people are the first ones fired and the last one's hired. So there was only 50% of black people having a job in April of last year. We we don't have that employment tied to us in this point. So basically black people, what these phase rollout told us was that you needed to enter into 2020 with at least one of your organs not even working in 2019. Mm-hmm. You need uh-huh. to know you had diabetes or you had kidney failure or you had heart failure. Meanwhile, white people, white Americans, all you had to do was literally live to be 65. Show your age. Hello. Show your age. But black show your age. People, I need you to show me that your kidney, no kidney done through and through. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. brings me then to point number two of how equity was again, never considered for black people and that distrust yeah. Is that scapegoat? Because where again, ladies, can y'all tell me these vaccines, where are they being rolled out again? Like, you know, where are they being rolled out, Kelly? Hospitals and pharmacies. So we keep hearing the buzz about the vaccine. We all know that they're going to be in hospitals, but the big thing has been about the fact that they're coming to your local Walgreens. They're coming to your local CVS. But the bottom line is we know that just like we have a food desert, just like we have a hospital desert, we also have what's known as a pharmacy desert. And 70% of pharmacies are based in white predominantly white communities. So black and brown individuals are not going to have access 
access to these vaccines. What I'm waiting for, what I'm what I'm hoping rolls out quickly is the placement of these vaccines in access points and entry points where black and brown people actually go, aka like the Walmarts, Durr, like that does why was that not like the first place? Because we know that that's where most people will shop. Walmarts, the Targets, just the basic stores that might not be, well, that are placed in communities where they might not have something like a pharmacy. It makes no sense to me that well, that wasn't well, considered in the distribution allocation process. Right. On top of the site, the whole registration process makes no sense to me. How we walked into COVID with the kids feeling confused and we saw pictures of the kids sitting in a McDonald's parking lot trying to do their homework because they don't have internet access. Are these school buses that they've equipped with Wi-Fi so that the children in the community can have internet access? Mm -hmm. So what the hell y'all gonna do for the old people who one, don't even know how to use the computer, two, who don't even have an email address, and three, don't even have internet access? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Who's really coming up with these ideas, suggestions, methods by which we get the people vaccinated? People that don't want the people vaccinated, okay? Because that's exactly the point. So now, even besides us having these roaming vaccination sites, right? So we have literally now clinics popping up in churches, Walmart parking parking lot. But -hmm. it's confusing because the location changes from day to day. And if I come back, am I supposed to come back here for my second dose? Do I not come back here for my second dose? You know, the timing, even if we're looking at the timing of these clinics being open, mm-hmm. it's nine to five. Yep. Right. Again, if I nine am two, actually, okay. And if I am one of these essential workers or persons trying my best to make some type of a livable wage so I can pay my rent and not get evicted, why do you think I'm available from nine to two? Exactly. And not on a Saturday or a Sunday. And the bottom line is that so many of these healthcare systems, for better or for worse, have not been scheduling those second appointments because there's been a lack of access. There's been a lack of just the quantity of the vaccine available. So there's been a reticence to schedule the second dosage because they're scared that they won't have enough supply, which makes zero sense. So y'all see, it makes zero sense. I hope y'all see now, B Packers, that this distrust. Is for one is shared amongst all races, but the lack of inclusion in the rollout, the lack of access to vaccination site, the absolute failed ability to actually register because we don't have Wi-Fi in these in these targeted communities, that's placed directly on the shoulders of us. And by us, I mean black and brown people. And what you're seeing is that even for those drives that are being placed in predominantly black communities, white people are snatching up those sites because they are jumping on the internet and they're getting ahead of the game. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because black and brown people are the ones that are dying at higher rates. Gentrification of vaccination. That's a real Tuskegee. thing. It's a real thing. Right. Well, y'all, I hope we gave y'all something that you could chew on and something that got you amped up because it's time to be bothered. Hashtag be Now, this is a segment where we give our listeners some advice about how to put some legs on the B word that we just unpacked. So good stock ladies, tell me, tell me and the people what you can do or what you plan to do to push towards equity in this vaccine rollout. Uh, If I go, you know, my main thing is if you can talk, talk, talk to everyone possible, talk to people in your community to encourage them to get this vaccine, talk about you know, to break down those barriers if there is distrust, but then also talk to the 
the local health care department, the state health care department, tweet the CDC and the World Health Organization, but really push for policies. And one of the things that we're pushing for is the Department of Equity um, on the federal level. And I actually dropped the, um, the link in our comments below. But truly, we need a Department of Equity to advocate for this, this notion that equity should always be at the forefront and not an afterthought. Because what we're seeing with these phase rollout or even the registration is that equity was not considered because it makes mm -hmm. zero sense. Agreed. Ab, I don't I really don't have much to add on to that beyond saying to your point about talk, you have influence far beyond probably what you think you do. And so educate yourself at credible sources, you know, go to the CDC, go to the you know World Health Organization, go to those nationally and internationally recognized sources and get the information about the vaccine and basically encourage your family members who might be hesitant to go on ahead and take it. I really do think that the the video blog that Ebony did is helpful if folks are hesitant about taking it because it's just, it's real talk. It's, this is the shot in my arm. This is how I feel day two, day three, day four. Um, but you can influence your family, which will, which will in turn potentially influence your community, probably far more so than you think. So use your voice because your voice can be powerful. Right. Exactly. You can be the neighborhood Fauci. You just go <laughs> for it. Yep. I think I, what I plan on doing is really advocating for um, black and brown folks. So not just for my family, like much of what you guys said, but the reason why don't we have a lower age for black and brown people if they're dying at higher at higher rates? We have those age contingent contingent screenings and vaccinations for everything else. Why is that not in place for COVID if you know that we are dying? So that's going to be my spiel until we see some changes. But there's no reason why the same we should have the same age gaps or age eligibility as the general population. Makes no right. sense. Yeah, it's a, you can't have a, a race neutral policy in a race targeted disease. Hello. 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 Yeah. Hello. So Wait, can you say that again for everybody? I want you to repeat that. Yes. Repeat that, Ev. You can't have a race neutral policy in a race targeted disease process. And what we know is that black people, black and brown people have higher death rates in every single age category. If you're less than 35 years old, you're seven times more likely to die if you're black or brown versus white. Okay, so it's not just the old people, it's our babies too. So yeah, fix the policies. And actually America starts saying race you didn't have a problem with it back in 16, 19, and 1776. Let's say it. Let's say it and yeah. fix it. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes back to what we said at the top. There is nothing predisposed to Black people. It is racism in our systems. It is our mm -hmm. systems and our policies. You are great. You are well. You are yeah. enough. But it's the systems in which you live in that cripple you. So you mm -hmm. have to become an advocate for yourself and your family. It's right. a must. And white people, we need y'all to advocate for us. Hello. Now that you know these stats and facts, right. Now that you know these stats and facts, now that you know the, the yep. access limitations, now that you know the problems with, um, with Wi-Fi, now that you know that people are jumping in front of lines of black and brown people left and right, now that you know that we're dying at higher rates, now that you know that our children, although they only make up you know, as far as racial minority children only make up 41% of the population, but 78% of all children who died from COVID-19. Now that you know something, do something. Do something. Now that you know it, do it. Step up. Y'all, that was a lot. 
But I love this conversation. I truly did love this conversation. To our BPAC, thanks for tuning in as always. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know it, you name it, you know it, you name it. In fact, <laughs> in fact, you can actually view our podcast live and in color on YouTube. Y'all, if you view us on YouTube, you get to see our dog pop into the picture. There you go. Children pop into the picture. Yeah. Us He's raising crazy, a glass crazy. and a toast. So you can check us out on YouTube on occasion. Tell us what you thought about today's episode in the comment section below. And please let us know if there's a B word that you want us to unpack in the future. And just kind of to circle back on a comment that was raised earlier, be sure to check out the links in this episode today because we have a link to that petition for the department, for the Secretary of Equity. Wait, that was just, that just blew my mind. Secretary of Equity. So please do check out that link. We can make an effective change, but it starts with making these disparities a priority of the focus, a priority, the center of the conversation that's happening in our nation. All right, be packed until the next time. Stay positive and let's keep unpacking. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you for unpacking another B Word with Kelly, Kim, and Ebony. Follow the B Word on Instagram at the B Word Unpacked and follow Goodstock Consulting on Facebook and YouTube. Learn more about Goodstock at www.goodstockconsulting.com.